Hey friends, welcome to the Wedding Pros Podcast. My name is Jared and we have an incredible show for you today with an amazingly talented photographer. Really excited to hop into that, but before we do, I wanted to remind you that you can find Wedding Pros pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts, in addition to YouTube. YouTube is a great place if you like to see people's work or sharing their work, if you like to see people's faces, what these amazingly talented people look like, um, that's a place that you're going to want to do that. And of course, while you're doing that, make sure you're giving us a five-star review if you're listening to it via podcast. And also, give us a subscribe on both YouTube and you know podcast form. Um, if this has been beneficial to you, if you've seen your business grow because of some of the things we've talked about on Wedding Pros, really helps us a lot, helps get the channel out there to people that might be in a similar situation as you, and overall, grow our industry. You know, that's a big kind of theme here at Wedding Pros is we want to see our industry grow. We want to see more people make money and have sustainable businesses. So, um, you know, and also I wanted to mention, make sure you're checking out the Facebook group. That's kind of where the community aspect comes in, where we're able to talk um, about a lot of topics nowadays. Obviously, by the time this podcast comes out, We've been dealing with a lot of COVID-19 coronavirus discussion, you know, how we should be talking to clients, uh, et cetera, you know, working with them through, you know, a really difficult time. So uh, make sure you're hopping on there, checking that out as well. So without further ado, let's introduce today's podcast guest based out of Naples, Florida, photographer, Mr. Austin Trenholm. And we'll go live. What's up, Austin? How's it going, buddy? <laughs> good, good. How you doing? <laughs> Yeah, it's always weird kind of hopping into these podcasts after we've been like talking for like 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Just I think it's like, better though. It's, like, right. a, it's yeah. like a warm up. Um, yeah. You know, you can't just like start a game of tennis. You got to hit the ball back and forth a bit. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> have you been able to do much cooking since you, uh, since you, you know, have all been stuck I, at home? All I do is cook. <laughs> <laughs> I um, know. It's funny because uh, I love cooking and I cooked a lot before this and now uh, it's, I've been cooking even more, but it's been a different approach because we go to the grocery store and get like enough stuff for like two, three weeks. And yeah. so, yeah. um, I've been getting a lot more creative with like simple, simple ingredients. I haven't been making, um, you know, I make all kinds of fancy stuff. If you watch my Instagram, uh, lately it's been a little bit less fancy, but still yeah. really good. And, uh, yeah, cooking Jay, for me Jay's is, a great cook you know as what well. I did oh, the other are? day? So you know what you I, guys would get along. Yeah. I did. I did uh, Instant Pot barbecue ribs. Nice. Did they come out good? Yeah, they're awesome. They're really good. So yeah. I, I got like a one of those cast iron grills that goes over your stove. So you just yeah. it was like forty minutes in the Instant Pot, and then you just throw it on and caramelize it up, and like it's very similar. It's not. I did do some liquid smoke, so it did have a smokiness, but yeah. it's very similar to what you would get a little better quality if you went to like a Chili's. Like those kind yeah. of melty ribs that <laughs> yeah. you get, it was everyone in the house liked it. I liked it. Honestly, I make ribs in the oven all the time, um, or in a giant Dutch oven, and then finish in the oven. And people, when they have them, are always like, "These are the best ribs I've ever had." Like, how did you how did you smoke these? And I'm like, "Oven man, <laughs> liquid smoke oven. Like, it's crazy how good you can get stuff. Yeah, not on a grill. So yep. yeah." It, sure. It's kind of been interesting the last couple of weeks because we went shopping. I think two weeks ago. And we probably have enough food for like, you know, three, four weeks. Um, you know, we're halfway there at this point and we're kind of getting to like, okay, now we just have to open like a can of chili and like all the fresh ingredients are done. And so it's like, like you said, getting kind of creative with what you got now, which, you know, 
who knows? You might find stuff that you uh, didn't know would work well. There's <laughs> a lot of point. stuff we have to be creative about, right? Are, In the middle of COVID, <laughs> yeah. we got to just be creative about everything. I know. <laughs> I know. Well, that's like where like the best food was made too, right? Is like, you know, hey, you're only given a certain amount of ingredients. You have to figure out how to make it work. And, you know, you make it work. Half so. of French cooking is, was like, we have all of this. What can we make? Like blood sausage. It's like. Yeah. <laughs> For real. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, man. I, the other thing that I'm excited about, I think a lot of, uh, I think this is the year of beards, man. Everyone's just going to be coming at, like, all these people at home, you know, doing, you know, nothing. They're like, well, I don't have to go to work. Now's the time I can, you know, grow my beard out. I don't have to be in the office. So Yeah, for sure. You're, you're kind of joining the club, Austin. You're usually pretty uh I, I trimmed up recently um, just because I can grow a beard pretty quickly, but uh, yeah. my patience level for it has gone way down it's that's, yeah. this is again a florida thing so if i lived up north i'd probably have a beard like you've had forever uh but yeah. down here when you get hot it's just kind of like oh it's too much <laughs> I, i'm realizing I in uh i was gonna say i'm realizing how ahead, how bad my beard is <laughs> yeah <laughs> like it just it because i because i didn't even think about it's just i'm not thinking about like grooming you know, oh, right, right, and right. then and yeah. then I like I'm looking in the mirror. I'm like, honey, why didn't you tell me? Like this looks, <laughs> this looks terrible. <laughs> it's like it's like one directional. It's yeah. like pointing over to one side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no worries. I, when I was in I was in Japan in November, and people would always ask me about my beard because out there they're just like, what do you? Yeah. What is that? No, like, like two it's strings. Like so foreign. Like up here, <laughs> yeah. Like people are like what you know it, it's and you don't realize it because it's just like it's so normal up here especially northeast yeah. people just grow them out mm-hmm. you know we're mountain men but uh but there it's just like culturally like out in left field so i a couple of things i guess to be excited about yeah <laughs> for year. sure for sure but dude let's hop into you know photography in general um you know i i, I remember um Hearing about you years ago, uh, you had a wedding up in up here in New England. You, of course, live down in, in Naples, Florida now. Mm-hmm. Um, but you had a wedding out in the Cape, and I remember our guys coming back, and they were like, "We worked with this awesome photographer. He's from Florida." And at the time, we were, you know, talking about potentially expanding Stop Go Love down into Florida. You know, you guys have a completely different, you know, wedding season than we do up here north. So we were like, well, maybe we could do kind of a year-round thing. We had a guy who was going to school down there. So we're like, you know, maybe we could make this work. Um, And so I was like, I got to get this guy on the line and just kind of talk to him about, you know, what weddings are like in Florida and whatever. And I started looking at your work. I was like, oh, my gosh, he's like really good he's like exact. if i was like a fantastic photographer this is the kind of work that i would want to produce it's just like looks like film but it's like it's not film you know so so you know wanted to you know so we i called you up and we started talking just about you know uh florida but then i was like probably more interested in just like how do you make your photos look so amazing um we talked about the gfx a a bunch i think yes yes we we totally talked about the gfx because that was like foreign to me at the time and i saw another person using the gfx and i was like that's amazing looking like it's, it's incredible and then you were using the gfx so i was like i just have to get them on the line um but you yeah. know obviously your work is inspired by film in general so do you do you come from the world of film kind of how did that you know uh, start up for you yeah uh so when i first got into photography really all there was was film photography um digital cameras existed but they were still not very good or incredibly expensive. They were just like prohibitively, well, prohibitively expensive. So um, I was literally like 14 and 
uh, I was headed to New Mexico to live with my aunt for the summer. Um, and my, I had expressed interest in photography, I think because like some girl at school was into it or something. <laughs> um, and then, um, and then my dad, my dad was like ultra supportive of our interests and our hobbies. My, my brother was like, I want to play guitar when he was like, I don't know, eight. And my dad got him a guitar and now my brother literally is a full-time musician. So, uh, when I expressed interest in photography, he went and got me a camera, sent me to New Mexico for the summer and I just photographed. And this was in... I mean, it has to be 2002, 2002-ish, I don't know. Um, so digital cameras weren't really an option. So even professionals, everyone was still shooting film. I worked at Ritz Camera. Um, so Ritz I got to shoot camera. a ton of film. Ritz Camera, I know. Hey, it got me my start. So I, yeah, I shot yeah, all film. Been a long time mm -hmm. since I heard that word. Yeah. And, Are they uh, still it's around? A, it's a, no, no. There's Ritz Camera online, but it's totally different. Um, yeah. but yeah, I, I worked there and shot nothing but film for years and years and years and years and just sort of figured out, um, photography on film. And then it's funny because when digital became, uh, affordable, you know, back in the day, we were all like, great, let's, we couldn't wait to stop shooting film. This was just so expensive and, you know, you'd make mistakes and you wouldn't know it until you got the film back. And so digital for us was like a huge, uh, uh, it enabled us to have a way more profitable business. Um, but that being said, film was my, um, start and now the film thing, it's like vinyl. Everybody wants film. All the top 10 photographers in the world are shooting film. And so we've sort of, uh, you know, I've gotten back into it a bit just for fun and just for the gram, you know, shooting a bunch of film and, and then, uh, <laughs> <No way>. yeah, that's <laughs> what so basically I'll bring, I'll bring like a film camera to like every engagement shoot in the wedding and I'll take like one roll and, and just like pop it up there and be like, yeah, see, I can do this too. It's actually not that hard. Um, but, uh, but yeah, film is wonderful, but digital to me is what really allows creativity to thrive because you don't have to worry about the money you're spending. You don't have to worry about if it's in low light, you don't have to worry about if the light is like not ideal direction for film. Um, and so when I left the film mindset and I started shooting digitally, I liked my work so much more. Um, and so I, I've been sort of this split personality person where I love the tones of film, but I hate the film process and I hate the limitations of film. So, yes. Yeah, totally. I think that's, what, what do you think about what, what, why do you think the film kind of, um, format and film kind of look lends itself so well to, to wedding photography these days? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, I think it lends itself to it. And, and it's funny because the film look lending itself to wedding photography is really to say, contacts, you know, within yep. a Zeiss 80 F2 and Fuji 400, right? Plenty of plenty of wedding photographers do shoot with other film stocks other than Fuji 400. They'll shoot with Portrait 400 and Portrait 800. But the key is a contacts with Fuji 400. And that look is what lends itself to weddings because it's light and airy. It's very flattering on skin tone. It's very dreamy. It's very like, old, it's very like um, nostalgic upfront, right? So when you think of uh, pictures from your past that you'd find from like your family, they're faded, right? Like none of them are like still like crazy vibrant and like uh, perfect looking, they're usually faded. And I feel like Fuji 400 already has that like desaturated faded look. Um, it's super beautiful. It's just very dreamy. And so, uh, you know, it, it doesn't surprise me that that dreamy, beautiful, faded, timeless look makes your wedding already look like this uh, distant memory even when it was like only a month ago. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I think I think that's what film offers to people now. 
but that being said, it's so funny because when people say the film look, um, I just want to be like, look, look at my hundreds of albums of me starting in film and none of these look like that. So yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and what film it's like, I, you were mentioning how you got started with film. I got started with super eight or not super eight. Um, not even super eight, but like uh, DV mini DV super and a uh, super um, 35, like cartridges that you would get at like a television studio. And yeah. it's funny. Like when the first time I got a camera that I didn't have to capture, I didn't have to sit there real time, play the video and wait for the video to play through to be digitized. Uh-huh. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is the best thing ever. You're, you're one of the few people that have mentioned like there's some positives, but there's like serious cash flow limiting limitations when it comes to film. It's not this big dream. It's not this big fantasy. Like <clears throat> The cost alone for your, I know some people were spending like fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars on just film to shoot a wedding. Easily, um, you know, I know some people. Uh, you know, um, I don't know exact numbers, but um, Michael and Karina up in Virginia, I think that uh, even even now that they've transitioned into more digital work, they're still shooting enough film that they're spending like thirty grand a year, forty grand a year on film, which is like again, no no problem if you want to like just increase your price to keep that profit point up. But I also know plenty of like top 10 fine art film wedding photographers in the country who started their career in film and now shoot like maybe five to 10 rolls a wedding, but still charge what they charged when well, they were yeah. shooting 30 to 40 rolls a wedding. And nobody knows the difference. Well, that's what I was going to say is yeah. you don't, it's just throw, I, I'm not a film photographer, so I don't want to tell people how to do their jobs because I don't really know about it, but I do know mm-hmm. about business and it's like if a client doesn't value it and it costs you money and you can charge the same if you do it or don't do it you're just throwing money away yeah so then it becomes um can you deliver that look without shooting the film exactly and if you can't then more than likely you know you're you're gonna not gonna be able to charge that premium but um with digital cameras becoming what they are and with presets and stuff we can talk about that i mean presets these Mm -hmm. days have been um, really going through like a, a crazy transformation and renaissance. So um, yeah, I mean, h- half of the film photographers I idolize that um, I would, you know, <laughs> Mike Cody and I, we started uh, Good Light Presets. We reached out to uh, like three or four different film photographers to be like, hey, we'd love to get some scans from you. And if you have any digital side-by-sides, um, you know, we, we wanna make this preset look as much like film as possible. What can you send us this stuff? And then it's so funny because come to find out the stuff we were sure was film was digital. (laughs) And so, so, um, you know, that was really eye opening for us. And then, uh, and then after tinkering for a few years and making what we've made, Cody will send me side by sides left and right. um, And I can't tell what's film and what's digital. So, yeah, it's funny because when we had that conversation initially, I was like, yeah, your stuff, it looks like I, I wouldn't be able to tell what's what. And you're like, I still can. And this was probably like two years ago, like two and a half years ago. So like even in like a short amount of time, um, you know, for us who have been in the industry two and a half years is a short amount of time. You know, I think just that game of like presets and trying to make things look a lot like film. Like I've seen um, 
KT Mary is using the GFX a little bit yep. these days, and like a lot of she's <laughs> fantastic photographer, film photographer. Yeah, it's yep. like, and that's a that's a trend that you know you are at the forefront at or with with um, you know hybrid film nests and kind of those like hybrid digital film you know uh, communities that were very active in trying to you know um, elevate what you can do with the digital file. Yeah. Um, you know, and like yeah. you mentioned, you know, you brought were able to bring it into doing presets and, and helping out with that in general. Um, yeah. You know, do you think um, do you think the, the that kind of like film look will be around for a while, or do you think it's kind of like a trend that people are doing just now? Or you know, what are I, your thoughts on that? I think it's going to um, organically evolve, right? So sure. um, just like what we consider the film look is actually specifically a Contax eighty. Fuji 400 look, I think that um, years from now, what people consider the film look will be kind of uh, actually just a what all the current um, film emulation presets look like, right? Um, mm. If you were to ask me what film looks like back when I first started, I would have told you, um, you know, showed you pictures that were like Fuji Superior 400 or Kodak uh, Gold, right? And and you know those those would have looked totally different. So I think it's all evolving, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that in years, the film look will still be po uh, popular. People will call it the film look. Yeah. And, and it really will be, this is the thing. I, I love that people are inspired by the colors of film, right? That's why yeah. we made uh, good light presets. But, but the thing about it is the reason that we didn't um, name our presets after film stocks is because we kind of wanted to uh, give people permission to step outside of what that film look mm. was. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I love Fuji 400, I love Portra 400, I love Portra 800, but what I really love is taking my love of color palettes and, and the things I know from film and just running with them, right? Um, if, if a painter told you, I only paint with magenta, green, and, and blush, no other colors, you'd be like, well, that's kind of limiting, don't you think? And I feel that is the same thing with, you know, people saying, oh, I only shoot with a Contax and a uh, Fuji 400 stock. I'm, I'm like, well, I mean, that's cool. But, you know, it, when you scroll through Instagram, you could scroll through like 25 different photographers and you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between their work because they're shooting with the same cameras, the same films, and they're going to the same workshops and they're shooting at Malibu Rocky Oaks. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kind of like, well, I don't know, man. It doesn't seem like you have much. You don't have a say. voice. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. don't have a voice. Totally. We, you know what's funny yeah. is we were when we were when we were playing around with <clears throat> we're working on this new product we wanted to have a, a distinct look right and so we were messing around with film film emulations with raw black magic raw footage and mm -hmm. we were like every time we go to the 35 the super 35 and the like cinematic 35 millimeter film stocks they look like nothing because that was the whole point and people don't realize right. that it's like the whole point of film was to evolve so that film didn't exist anymore and it was just the image but what people right. are really looking for is a style and so right. since it's just stylizing because we actually were like let's do 16 millimeter grain it just it sticks out more it has more of a, a ness to it and people yeah. i think will identify and feel like it's cool and that really gives you freedom exactly what you just said which is when you look at what you're trying to create which is art you know and whatever you want to call it you're uh -huh. it's really up to you and and like weird you can make it look any way you want and that's the beauty of of having that hybrid way of evaluating is like there's always a wink and a nod to the past of what it gave us right. but then there's always looking forward and saying what can i do next 
And I think that's 100%. the beauty of digital. Yeah, totally. Yeah. People people have this argument all the time about film versus digital, and they'll point out all the technical reasons why film is better, and all those reasons are true. I mean, 100%. But the thing is, I mean, people are like, oh, Ansel Adams would have never shot digital. And I'm like, he would have 100% shot digital. <laughs> He'd have been like, you mean I can focus stack, and I can do HDR, and I can use this, and I can do like multiple images and stitch them together? He would have been in in Photoshop faster than anyone else in the world because well, he, was he was basically a business doing person, that. right? That and he, and he was money. interested in developing techniques with cutting edge technology, like in the darkroom, like he was inventing these ways. If you give people the tools, they're going to use them. And so yep. um, I think that, uh, you know, getting hung up on a, on a process is in some ways admirable, you know, like I do appreciate the artisan, you know, artisanal French winemaker that does it the same way it was done 500 years ago. That being said, I think it's incredibly silly that not every single bottle of wine is a, is not a screw top. I mean, like, why 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 do we use corks anymore? It doesn't. It makes no sense whatsoever. It's not in, <laughs> it's not increasing the quality of the product. You know what I mean? Uh, for me, how would new restaurateurs mm -hmm. make their walls if we didn't have corks? Uh, no, yeah, exactly right. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's I don't know. Call me call me. Uh, it's it's tough because I do love you know, doing things by hand. I love knowing about how processes work. But um, if you look at, you know, again, like film directors, like film directors from the past, there are people like Quentin Tarantino and stuff like that that are still holding on to film because it's their process and it's their look. Um, but they are also combining those things with cutting edge technology and digital CGI and post-production. Um, you know, they're not, they're not just using film like it was used 50 years ago. They're, they're using film, having it scanned, you know, manipulating it, doing what they need to do with it. Um, and because they're, they're not locking themselves into that, into that box of saying, no, mm -hmm. it, it can only be done this way. Um, yep. yeah. and, uh, and that's, that's kind of why we did good light is we love film emulation presets, but we also love just expanding on what we think is beautiful and and, uh, and also, you can send the same roll of film to five different labs with different preferences and get them back and they'll look totally different. One of the reasons we got so frustrated with um, emulating film is we would see dudes, video guys, who were shooting not even raw formats, they were just shooting whatever, I don't even know what formats these cameras shoot in, MOV or whatever they shoot in. Um, and different ones shoot different things. Yeah, but they're just like kind of low quality files right they're not raw they're whatever super and super low quality files super low quality so and a lot of them were able to make you know edits to that to me looked more like film than anything we were doing with our raw files and i was just like how can these guys with these like super compressed files make it look so much more like film than we're doing with our like 50 megapixel raw images from our d850s and the answer was LUTs, the whole different um you know approach to editing and so um, Cody had the bright idea. He's like, well, maybe we can put a LUT into Lightroom. And sure enough, with the latest update with profiles, it allows you to embed a LUT. And then that took a whole, you know, uh, process of us learning what a LUT is and how you make it and, you know, all that stuff. And luckily Cody is a robot and is like able to really tackle technical projects like that. And he spent months and months, uh, all the entire time me saying, it's not gonna work, man, let's give up, let's try something else. And he's like, no, 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 I think we can do it, I think we can do it. And eventually he was like, okay, try this, and we tried it, and it like kinda worked. Um, and, 
And then from there, we just kept refining it and refining it and refining it until finally we got something that now, I mean, uh, I think is just unbelievably unique. The way that it's color in Lightroom is just crazy. And it's all based on LUTs because we saw what video people did. So, yeah. And I, ha I have them. I, uh, I use your, your LUT pack a lot of times and I, I love them, man. I think they're Thanks, so man. easy and it's like, I'm probably a video guy first and foremost. And, you know, I like to dabble kind of bounce between the two because I, I just like the different kind of approaches with doing video and then bouncing between photo. I think they both kind of work together in a certain way and make me better, a better filmmaker, a better photographer. Yeah, for um, sure. But editing photos has always been the thing that I've been most frustrated with. And I'm like, Ugh, I just I have it in my mind how I want this to turn out. And I, I feel like when I'm editing, I can't get it there. And with your presets, it's been like, OK, you know, it gets me about. 80% of the way there of what I, you know, envision it. And then, you know, I have to do a little bit more kind of tweaking to, you know, fix my mistakes essentially <laughs> of like, oh, I put them in crappy light or whatever. Yeah. Um, that's just but yeah. anybody. Yeah. 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 But, um, well, you guys both mentioned something with, with kind of like styling and, and, and just kind of like what trends are currently, you know, doing with, you know, film and whatever. I, th I thought it was interesting. Um, watching, uh, Justin Bieber's, have you seen Justin Bieber's wedding film? No, you gotta I kinda, watch it. I, yeah, I kind of ranted about it a little bit, but I, I, I can definitely see at least wedding videography going this direction of like going the mini DV kind of route. Dude, it, it looks. I want to like do it, it so bad. On, yeah, it, it looks like it's filmed, and I think they actually did film on like mini DV cams. They did. That kind of. They actually that, like, got old mini DV camcorders. Yep. They mixed it with you know typical DSLR stuff. Yeah, because the nineties is in, man. The nineties are bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's street, it goes with the streetwear thing, right? Shoes with low, like it's the it's Justin Bieber. It's the most LA thing you can do, right? That's and, so funny. Yep. Yeah. Authenticity. It's, it's like it, you, people are gonna want it to look like. Um, like I talk to a lot of brides, and they're like, I watch my mom's wedding film every year. I talked to a bride this last year who said that. I was like, oh, oh, well, that's cool. But you know, people might want to you know start seeing their wedding films look like their parents, you know, because it's authentic. Or, You're like you know, awesome. I can something. just send one dude with one camera and one lens and yeah, I can just, I know, uh, right? you know. Photo vest, <laughs> tripod in the back of the room, go around and interview people. Super like, small with sensor with like camera. a mega zoom on you. On the, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I had um, I, I've been helping a um, uh, a local um, uh, thrift store. They have all these old cameras, and I'm like trying to go through and like organize them. And I found this awesome Sony DV cam that's probably like, you know, was like really high end in like 2004, 2005, 2006, right around there. You know, it was very expensive. It was probably like a five, six thousand dollar camera at that point. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, oh, I want to film a wedding with this. They're selling it for like a hundred bucks. I was like, I want to film a wedding with this. And one of our guys is, is you know, sometime in the future, in the next few years, is going to be getting married. I'm like, dude, when you get married, I want to film with this. And he's like, absolutely. He's a skateboarder. So he wants, he has a mini DV camera. He likes to put a fisheye on it. He's like, yeah, man, that'd be awesome. That'd be, you know, so who knows, man, we'll see. You might be, you know. I know a lot of people are starting to shoot some, you know, 35 millimeter on the film world, but uh, I yeah. don't know. Maybe maybe people will be pulling out the old, you know, Canon Rebel XT to, you know. <laughs> Dude, like I remember shooting like a D70 and spending, you know, like $1,500 on a crop sensor, like ultra wide zoom and yeah. just being like super into it. And, you know, I mean, when I look back at some of those images, they're some of my favorite because I wasn't trying to emulate film, I was just looking at what was in front of me. 
And yeah. um, so I think that's what I've been trying to get back to. Um, it's funny, right before I went to Engage, um, I was feeling creatively kind of uh, in a rut and uh, I had been looking at a bunch of photographers and just sort of trying to reevaluate what I wanted to do and the direction I wanted to go in. And I found this couple uh, called Joel and Justina and they're in Ottawa, Canada. Yes, yes. Yeah, man. They're just they're like awesome. outrageously all, good. Yeah, they're all they're always like engaging with our stuff for wedding pros, and I'm out. And so I was like, "Who the heck are these people?" And I was like, "Whoa!" Yeah, they're next level. They're so good. They just DGAF. They, like, um, they will go shoot like at fifteenth uh, of a second during like a ceremony recessional of the bride and groom leaving a church, and I'm like, I, so what's funny is I went to engage, and all of a sudden they're un, they're unmistakable. They're both like very very uh, unique looking and. And all of a sudden, I see them from like 30 feet away. They like they wave like to models. me because I had, yeah, they do look like models. Well, I think Joel was a model at one point, but um, <laughs> so uh, all of a sudden, I see them and they like wave to me because we've been chatting a bit on, on Instagram. And uh, I was like, oh my God, is it, is it really you two? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, man. And so uh, I asked him at one point later, I was like, man, how do you, like, isn't it kind of risky? Like, how do you do uh, these slow shutter speeds during recessionals? And he's like, yeah, I just risk it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, you're crazy. Um, and then he, he told me all about his process. And again, it just goes back to seeing what's in front of you, being creative, not being hung up on uh, creating a specific look. You know, I'd be like, what do you shoot with? And he's like, uh, Fuji X-T3, uh, Canon 5D Mark IV, and a contacts with the IQ 160 back. And, uh, and I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah. He's like, so I love that he just doesn't, like, he's like, I'll use anything that, that works. Can I... Can I ask you just, this is a question for all of us, which is like mm -hmm. balancing risk, you know, at the heart of art, I think is communication, expression, right? And communication, expression. And like the more your communication becomes funneled into your vision, probably the less it works for more people. So right. the less marketable it is and the less sellable it is. And, right. and honestly, the less reproducible it is. Like some pieces of art are beautiful because that you could never make them again. Right. There Prince is so awesome because nobody else is Prince. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and nobody could be Prince. And like right. Radiohead is a great example of a band that has yeah. had opportunity. They got lucky because if you listen to their music, it's very inaccessible. Right. They're yeah. going to literally be like, hey, let's do this time signature that is terrible, that isn't good for music. And we're yeah. gonna make it work. Or like, I'm They're not geniuses. really like a vocalist, but we're gonna start a band anyway, and I'll <laughs> yeah. sing. <laughs> yeah, 25, yeah. 30 years like, later. Yeah. <laughs> so that everyone wants to point for the radio heads and be like, "See, you can be creative, and you're gonna make a bunch of money." But the real truth is, most things that make money are just accessible and digestible. Yeah. For more people, and so how do we as artists really fight through that tension of? making something that we know will sell and making something that we know is honestly, let's be real fun that we think is fun. Yeah. So this is an interesting question because, um, I think that the, the, um, illusion is that, well, it's not an illusion. You, you said it. So certain, certain things are more marketable than others, but it doesn't mean what, what, it, what we really should say is certain things are easier to market than others. Yes. Right. And so if you're going to choose to go down that route, that's not, um, you know, just super sugary. And, um, you know, if you want to write a book, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, what is it? YA, young adult uh, 
books are like huge right now, even for adults. So if you want to, if you want to write um, the next uh, Divergent series or or Harry Potter or whatever it is, um, it's I'm not going to say it's easy. Not everyone could write Harry Potter, but there's just like endless and endless and endless uh, series of books that are just gobbled up by uh, young adults and adults alike because they're just in this formula of marketability. And if you want to do that, that's fine. But it doesn't mean that you can't have commercial success with the other non-accessible uh, styles. It just means you're going to have to take it upon yourself to market it like really well. And this is where I think that uh, Joel and Justina do an incredible job. Like you look at their social media presence. Um, they really are putting it forth. They're showing you their artwork. They're, they're making it more accessible for you. Um, they're putting their personalities out there. Uh, they are um, pushing hard to get published and to sort of uh, you know uh, make their work less uh, obscure. It's so funny because in at Engage, I was like super drunk at one point. Not super drunk. I was pretty buzzed, and um, <laughs> I was just going on and on about this and how I think that actually Joel and Justina's style is ahead of its time. I, I think in ten to fifteen years, that's going to be the, uh, the the style. In fact, when you look at a lot of the photos that like big brands like Galia Lahav or um, you know, different very high-end uh, dressmakers. When you look at their marketing, their photography style that that designer prefers is much more in line with Joel and Justina. So Joel and Justina are really appealing to this niche high-end market already. Um, but it's sort of getting lost on that that um, more accessible, marketable front. But I think that if they keep going and they keep marketing it correctly, they're actually way ahead of the curve um, to the point where I was like, I want to rep you, like. I want to rep you guys. I want to be your like business manager because like I believe I believe in your style. Uh, well, and if you're if you're a couple out here <laughs> listening to this, if you're getting married and uh, you were considering hiring me, but now you're going to consider uh, Joel and Justina, <laughs> I won't get mad because they're amazing. Yeah. But you should also still consider me. <laughs> well, it, you brought up something though that I think is the heart of it. If you want to be a trailblazer, you better be freaking good. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think this is where it becomes a, this is where the existential crisis comes in for us as artists, right? It's like, how good am I? <laughs> how much, how many reps do I really put in? How hard am mm -hmm. I really working? Because if I'm not working really, really hard and I also want to blaze a trail, like I'm not going to be able to like, yeah. and I think you have to have that realness with yourself. It's like, how hard am I willing to work? Because it's going to be three times harder to blaze a trail and in some ways way less satisfying and other ways more satisfying because you're going to keep throwing stuff against the wall and some of it's not going to stick. And like Joel and Justina can do whatever they want because they're amazing. Radiohead can do yeah. whatever they want because they're amazing. And yeah. they're, like what they do is they're at the top of the game. They're innovating. You know, someone like Sufjan Stevens is like, I'm going to make a noise album. Right. He can do that because he's amazing. He and and like yeah. a lot of us, I think having an honest moment with yourself and saying, "Where am I today? Where am I? Where do I want to be?" Like if you know you want to make this esoteric, weird style of photography, you better learn to make it so good that it has unquestionable value outside of the fact that it's weird. Yeah, I mean that's true, but you also have to. You, you I think you can be incredible, and still get lost. It's one of those things where you can be an incredible artist, but you can also go under the radar and go unnoticed. And then uh, sim similarly, you could be a pretty mediocre artist or, or creator or do whatever you do and be incredibly successful, right? Um, you know, McDonald's sells whatever, however many hundreds of thousands of hamburgers every day. Um, nobody's gonna say McDonald's hamburger is the best in the world, uh, 
but they're doing something right. So I think that what it comes down to is if you are able to think differently and also market yourself, and this is where uh, I was talking to uh, Jared a little bit about uh, letting go of the idea of even being an artist, right? Everyone's always like, I'm an artist. My art is, um, you know, my style is what I do and and this is what's going to define me and, you know, this is going to define my success. But the, the truth of it is that it isn't. Um, your business sense, your ability to market, your ability to get in front of the right people, um, your ability to convince someone to trust you with their $6,000 to photograph the one day they can't repeat is what's going to be um, ultimately guide your success. Um, you know, and, and then on top of that, you have to be a really talented or really good artist or create really good work and, and do all that stuff. And so I think a lot of, uh, a lot of photographers just have this crazy ego and they're hung up on their, their photography, um, which I think is, is not doing them anything good. I mean, I think we should all hone our craft, right? I think photography is a craft. I don't really think it's an art. Um, I think hmm. everything at a high level is an art, right? People are always, you know, saying, oh, we're going to do a creatives meetup. And I'm like, cool, you're going to invite uh, the tennis player I know because, like, he's an elite tennis player and he's probably one of the most creative people I know, right? Like, He's had what, to innovate his tennis. Like, Roger Federer is amazing not only because he's technically good but because he's creative, right? He can think outside the box, like, this person is um, destroying my backhand, this person is doing this, how am I going to get out of this pickle? Um, you know, my dad is a tool and die maker, right? He, like, barely graduated high school. Um, but he can make anything, right? Um, like literally companies come to him and say, we need this random part for these peanut butter mixing machines, or we need uh, like whatever, like just all these random things. And he just like turns around, walks into a, a shop with a bunch of presses and then makes it, right? And people will be like, wow, it's so weird that you and your brother, like my brother's a music musician. They'll be like, it's so weird that you and your brother came from like such a non-artistic family. And I'm like, you don't understand. Like my dad is the most creative person I've ever met. Um, you know, creativity and art is uh, to me more of a, a level thing, right? Um, yeah. You can make, was it? go ahead. I was like, isn't it funny how we all, it's like, oh, I'm making art by doing exactly what everyone else is doing. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. That's why I think, that's why I think it's more of a craft, right? So like if you become a woodworker, uh, you are a craftsman and you can make a table and there are like hundreds of other woodworkers who can make the exact same table. What then separates you is if you take um, your craft and do something that nobody else is doing. And, and then not only that, again, getting back to the success aspect of it, um, it's the marketing, right? And I'm using, when I say hundred year old or hundreds year old marketing tactics, it's basically like this going back to like Leonardo da Vinci and sort of the old way of, of business. And that is um, you need to, uh, <laughs> I tell people all the time, if you want to succeed in any business, no matter what it is, it doesn't matter if it's photography or weddings, um, you need to read Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People, right? Just read it because that is like everything you want to know is in there. And then if you want to get a leg up on everybody else who's also read How to Win Friends and Influence People, you need to read The Game, which is actually a book about pickup. It's about pickup artists um, and how to pick up girls. And so um, I don't recommend reading it for any nefarious reasons or like um, on how to actually pick up women. But, but it gives you this incredible insight into human psychology that combined with how to win friends and influence people um, will give you every tool you need to be successful in business. Um, and everything from uh, getting in a group of people and instead of just being the guy who's like, 
Uh, what do you do? Here's my card. Let's talk about business, blah, 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 blah. Um, instead, it's, it's getting in there and taking genuine interest in that person's life, uh, making um, real and honest compliments about uh, something you notice about that person. Uh, it's about not being fake, about being genuine, and, uh, and then letting the business come to you. Right, mm-hmm. um, and this is where it's it's combined with how to friends and influence people, and then the art of pickup because picking up girls, um, you know, if you just like walk into uh, a group of girls and you're just like super forward and super obnoxious, it like it doesn't work at all, right? But if you're just yourself, you're genuine, you take interest in that person, you show you care, you listen more than you speak, and then you just let the business come to you, um, it works ten times better than the other way around. Um, yeah. And you know, so many artists lose sight of that. They're just trying to project their themselves in the world. They're like busy. Last time someone told me they were redoing their website, I'm like, why are you redoing your website? Look at your analytics. Like I, every time I look at my analytics on my website, the average visit time is something like 45 seconds, right? Yeah. But I get tons of inquiries from my website. Like I'm not saying don't have a website. I'm just saying people have such a short attention span. You just need to put your work up there. You need to hook them, you need to teach them who you are in 45 seconds. Yeah. And yeah. then I mean, you, yeah. you mentioned, uh, you mentioned in, in the show prep a little bit, Austin, um, the, where we were just having a little bit of a back and forth that business tactics, um, you know, they don't always translate, uh, you know, or business to, advice. To, yeah. It doesn't always scale. Business advice. Yeah. yeah. What, what, what do you mean by that? Is that kind of what you're, you're talking about a, a little bit about like, you know, a lot of the business advice nowadays is like, you know, grow your SEO, do all these things. Is that kind of what you're, you're getting at there? What I mean by that is the advice I would give someone like myself in this uh, part of my career versus the advice I would have given myself 10 years ago is totally <laughs> different, right? Um, like I love your, I love, love, love uh, the Hans. Brittany Hahn is just like, I love her so much because um, every time I saw her speaker give advice, it was basically like just play by play exactly what I tell people when I used to do my get real workshop. And I love that she's real. And, and one of the things about it is um, I hear so many fluff um, seminars where uh, a photographer will be like, don't um, give uh, discounts on your prices, stay strong, you know, charge. You're, you're only doing a disservice to the industry if you're lowering your price. And I'm just like, well, that's a load of BS because what if you've only been photographing for a year and a half and a really good opportunity comes along and it's the difference between getting that wedding and not getting that wedding if, by giving them an $800 discount. Well, right? you know who that helps? That <laughs> helps the top end people of the industry that don't want anybody encroaching on their territory. That <laughs> advice is good. That yeah. advice is good if you're already successful. You don't right. want anyone else to be successful. Th- that's you exactly want to breathe right. all the air in the room. Yeah. So <clears throat> it's like, this is one of my biggest pet peeves is watching people who don't know crap about business, by the way. And they don't know anything about SEO. Like I'm doing, we, we own a marketing firm, right? And I'm doing a website. I do a website for a company that gets like, like over like hundreds of thousands of visits a month on their website. So when I talk to some person like, oh, a thousand people a month are selling or searching for this term in your area. I'm like, do you know that that's one unit of an ad sale? You sell by thousand. That is the smallest possible increment I can sell an ad on. So that basically means no one is looking for this. That's the truth. And nobody wants to hear it, but SEO is a load of crap. And all you're doing is selling. All you're doing is selling classes on SEO. You make more money telling people about SEO than that person could ever make doing good SEO. That's just my my soapbox on it because I'm doing SEO at another level. 
for companies where we're like, I'm having to compete with like a product, like a buzzsaw. And I have to compete with like 20 other websites that have hundreds of listings and SEO really matters there. But the word photography on the internet is not a special word. I know. So it's I, I, told, a- I told Jared this, um, I just literally a month ago or something, um, registered my business on Google. <laughs> like, I didn't <laughs> I even have a Google listing. Um, people, people all the time would ask me like, what are you doing for SEO? How are you getting all these inquiries? Cause I get, I get so many inquiries and I w- I'm like, I do nothing. I haven't updated my website in forever. I don't use meta tags. I don't use keywords. I don't pay anybody. I, and you know what I do? I get in front of people and I ask mm-hmm. them about their kids and I ask them yeah. how their days go. And I say, Hey, you look really good. Have you done something different? Um, uh, oh, I love that uh, YouTube video you just put out. It's like so really, it's really nice. Um, or I was just talking about you with this florist, and uh, he said you did a, you had this crazy wedding. Tell me about that. Um, and then that, the, the in person, right? Uh, people, I used to have this uh, alternative uh, meaning for SEO. So it's search engine optimization. I forget what it was. It was like I'll have to go through my emails and pick it up. But it was some other uh, clever thing I came up with. But it basically what it comes down to is I want in person optimization. Right. I want yes. to because because me talking to someone for half an hour is is worth way more than a thousand random people passing through your website or bots passing through your website or whatever is coming through your website. Well, and um, they're not qualified necessarily. Right. And so like you were saying, it's different if you're trying to sell a backpack or a bus saw or something like that. But like for me, um, I just feel like too many people overlook the classic way of doing business and in what we do. You know, we we have to sell ourselves to be with someone for 10 to 12 hours a day um, on their wedding mm-hmm. day and, and make them laugh and make them look good and make them feel comfortable. We have to gain their trust. And you don't do that um, only with a website and Instagram. I, I'm a huge believer in having a convincing, compelling website and Instagram that grabs people. Um, you know, I put, um, the minute I put a promo video on my website, inquiries went up like uh, tenfold uh, just because yep. it's one more opportunity for someone to meet me. but. But again, yeah. my, my whole tactic is, is getting in front of people, uh, not trying to talk about my work at all. Um, when I first moved to Florida, I moved to Florida um, a while into my career and I had no business down here. And so one of the things I did is, um, uh, oh, you, you, oh, we were talking about Brittany Hahn. And so it's so funny, I was at this uh, um, networking event here in Southwest Florida and a girl who had recently attended her workshop was like, oh, you know, what do you think of that? And I was like, it's great. I love it. And she goes, so do you, do you give discounts? And I went, no, no, I, I never give discounts. And she went, well, well, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, she says to do it. And, and I said, well, listen, I, I think you should give discounts at your point in your career. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I just said, I don't. I've been doing this for 14 yeah. years. I book 40 to 50 weddings a year consistently for like the past seven years. Like I don't have any incentive to give a discount, but if it's the, like, but that being said, even years into my career, when I moved to Florida, I needed to break into this new market. Uh, I met a guy who ran a salon. He's just, he cuts my hair to this day. Um, and he was getting married. I met him from my brother. I said, tell him I will photograph his wedding for free. Yep. I mean, this is years into my career. And I, not for a minute, had any hangups about doing a disservice to the industry, right? I just said, I need to get into the Florida market this guy has a salon. He sees, you know, 30 women between the ages of 23 to 36 every, every day. He, he is my SEO. 
<laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. This, your marketing this is, campaign. This yep. is my marketing campaign. Yeah. I'm going to photograph yep. your wedding for free, and I'm going to come get my hair cut with you and pay your ridiculous rate, and I'm going to get in a room with incredibly well-off clients. Yeah. 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 We, That's what we it say is. it a lot. Just like with, 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 you know, a lot of people are, are, will bash like the knot and wedding wire and all this stuff. And they're like, I, I don't want to pay for that stuff, you know, and, and it's understandable, you know, if it doesn't work for certain people, but it's like, you have to pay for marketing some way. So if you're shooting for free, especially when you first start out, that's the one thing that you don't have is money, but you do have time. You do have availability. Take advantage of the things that you actually have. Do it smart. Shooting a wedding. Yeah, do right. it smart. Don't shoot anybody. There's no, there's no yeah. such thing as free marketing. Uh, yeah. You're always paying to play. Everyone needs to realize that. <clears throat> like you are mostly you do have to spend money. You have to spend money somewhere. You can't right. just most people. If you have such a big name, you already spent the money, right? Right. But but um you you're either giving their your time or you're giving your money, but you're giving up something that has value to it. And I think people need to realize that like you're, you're, there's no such thing as free marketing. Yeah, that's what I mean by a lot of times business advice doesn't scale, right? So when I do yeah. workshops, um, people will say, oh, sh you know, do you do, do you do, um, you know, bridal shows or anything? And I'm like, no, but you should. Like mm -hmm. I, yeah. I did, I, I did them for years. I mean, you, you have to get this, the fire started, right? Um, yep. You know, you, you need to get the fire started before you can really uh, make something big. And so, you know, when someone comes to me and they've been doing this for years and they're trying to break into the next level of business, you know, if they said, should I do a bridal show? I'd be like, no, <laughs> you know, you know, you don't see Gucci at a trade show. You know what I mean? They're, they're just <laughs> Gucci, um, you know, so um, business advice doesn't scale always. So so that's where I feel very lucky in that I think that the things that I've figured out, the, the marketing, right? The free marketing. So on top of doing that hairdressers, um, wedding for free, the next thing I did when I moved down here is I found the most foofy, expensive uh, yoga studio I could in Naples, right? I was like, what is the premier yoga studio? And I got a membership and I went, and I went for like six months and it was very expensive. I didn't go in there with my business cards blazing. I just went to enjoy yoga. Right. And as like one of two guys at this yoga studio, inevitably you start talking, striking up conversations, you start getting to know people. And again, immediately, first thing I did was, hi, how are you? What do you do? Oh, that's incredible. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, you have kids. Cool. What are their names? Never once do I ask anything or tell anything about myself. And it might go months of getting to know these people before someone says, so what do you do? Um, and then I can say, oh, I'm a wedding photographer. And then, of course, instantly, because, again, we're in this. I'm in this exact microcosm of my demographic. Oh my gosh, I have two friends getting married. Of course you do. You're a girl <laughs> between the ages of 23 and 36 at the most expensive yoga studio in Naples. Of course, I'm sure you have more than two friends that are getting married in the next five years. Um, yes. And so that's the marketing. The marketing dollars I spent were at the yoga studio. Can I yeah. write it off? Well, not and, not and really, but... <laughs> you're working and you're paying yourself, uh, you know, either a salary or, or something. And so you're giving up that time and that time has value. Right. So it's actually thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of marketing. Yep. And if you think of your time as money and you actually do, which a lot of people don't. So I was like, they're like, I'm redoing my website. I love that you brought that up. Mm -hmm. Why? What's the negative result that you're seeing that you're trying to mitigate? Right. Well, I'm not doing as well. Trust me, the new website's not the problem. Yeah. Let's focus on <laughs> what the real problem is. Oh, I'm doing really well. Well, why are you redoing your website? It's serving you. And it's right. like, if, 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 if you were to like, oh, I'm doing it myself, so it's free. 
It's not free. You're not doing the thing that is going to actually grow your business. It's the opposite of free. Time is the most expensive resource there is. Yep. Yeah, it's 100% true. In fact, what I've started to say instead of uh, time is money, money is time, right? So Mm -hmm. when someone's like, oh, you know, you can pay someone to do your lawn. um, I'm like, yeah, that's money well spent because that's time that I can make more money in, right? Mm -hmm. If it costs me $25 a week to have someone else mow my lawn, I can make more than that costs me with the time that I'm saving, right? And so... So I can use money to buy time, right? And so that's, it, 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 in the beginning, it's the opposite. You use your time, like, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't have as much money when I moved to Florida to get the marketing dollars, so I give my time to do the wedding for free to get in. And now that I have the savings and the resources and the you know, business um, momentum that I have, now I can use my money to gain time, right? So it used to be I'd edit everything myself um, when I do my weddings, and I mostly edit myself these days. But that being said, uh, now I'm not opposed to hiring out a company to um, edit my weddings because like the wonderful extra- Image Salon, who we love. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I don't know there. I'll have to check them out. They're awesome. Uh, Image Salon. So yeah, so now I can uh, now that two or three hundred dollars that it's going to cost me to have my um, wedding edited is more valuable than the 300 because I can focus on good light presets, right? Or I can focus on some other sort of uh, uh, diversifying my income stream. So, yeah. Yeah. Jerry. How do you feel, how do you feel like um, social media plays a role in all of this, you know, especially nowadays where, you know, people are just sitting at home with really nothing to to do except be on social media or playing their wedding. It's Um, a really, really. How do you think it's in, yeah. Yeah, it's, why, why do you think it's important? It's really important because as much as I'm sort of bashing um, SEO and sort of your website presence, social media is totally different um, here. You know what? Do you want to pause real quick and let my... Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So we moved. So now you're in the great outdoors. So there's yeah, some beautiful sorry. birds. Uh, we have uh, our whole family home, obviously, because everyone's uh, in quarantine. So I just uh, moved outside. Hashtag so, COVID life. Yeah, hashtag COVID life. So uh, instead of hearing uh, my son cry, we can hear some birds. <laughs> yeah, which is going to make feel people feel warm, sunny, Florida feelings. So it's great. Yes. So, Jared, take it away. Yeah. So, so kind of with what you were talking about, Austin, how do you think social media plays a role in, you know, marketing in, in, in the age of COVID-19? Yeah, it's, it's um, in the age of COVID-19 and generally speaking, I think social media is incredibly important. Um, and as much as I just got done, like, bashing SEO or worrying about your website, I think social media is an entirely different animal because what I, how I treat social media is how I treat social interaction in person. I just try to do it in the social media spectrum, right? And so, so many people are out there, you know, trying to game social media, just like when they go to a networking event or if they're at a yoga studio, they're trying to game that scenario into like getting a business card into someone's hand. And what I just told myself is I'm not gonna game anything. I'm just going to, again, be genuine, take genuine interest in someone's life, ask, uh, you know, honest questions, be myself and uh, put myself out there in a way that hopefully gets the return. And so with social media, um, it's an opportunity for you to have the largest social networking uh, event of your life every day, every minute of your life if you want, uh, which is also yeah. a problem. It's, it's too much, but, but yeah. So what I do is I'll pay attention. I get on social media. I look at some of the photographers in my area who I think are my peers and I say, oh, who's this planner who made a comment on that? Let's check them out. 
let's follow them. Let's go through their feed and see, oh my gosh, what a, uh, I love that car. I, I used to have one of those cars. Let's comment, let's, let's be genuine, not, hey, great feed, check my page out. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so social media to me is just an expansion of what you would do in real life. Oh, hold on one second. What am I hearing right now? Beautiful bird. For those at home, yeah, a bird, you know, <laughs> listening on the podcast, a bird just landed on Austin's shoulder. And, I, uh, uh, yeah. and, and That would be incredibly weird. Yeah, so social um, media, um, sorry, just to expand on that, I take, I take it very seriously. Um, I try to really look at the activity that's going on. I treat social media like a room. So I treat Instagram like a room. And when I notice conversations happening, I figure out a way to, is this conversation uh, valuable to me? Um, do I have something valuable for someone else? Um, and then, uh, is this person someone I should strike up a conversation with? If so, I strike up the conversation. Um, social media to me is 10 times more important. In fact, to the point where, because when I saw the analytics on my website, where it was like the average visit time is whatever it was, like 45 seconds, I have a pop-up on my website when you get there that just says, hey, want to see the latest and greatest? Go to my Instagram. And it just sends them immediately to my Instagram. Um, because I feel like that is more accessible for our current clients, young brides. Navigating websites for them is like a little annoying. Half of them are on their phones. Instagram, they can save things, they screenshot things, they can contact you immediately. Um, and so uh, once, and then, and then hopefully if I get them there, they follow me, I can figure out who they are, um, I can look through their feed, sort of gain some insight into when we have that first phone call. I can say, oh yeah, so you're a you're a nurse, right? Um, oh yeah, yeah. How'd you know? I saw you know I saw this there. My mom is a nurse. You're um, Michelle Obama. I can I, see yeah, that. Yeah. Because... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I think it's one of those things where as, as much um, insight you can gain into someone before you have that initial phone call, um, it gives you it gives you a leg up, right? And the more you can relate yeah. to them, the more you can gain their trust. The more you can be that old friend, right? If you can make them feel like you've been friends forever, um, on the first phone call, then you win. Man, I think one of the biggest values, you know, that I think someone at home listening can take away from, you know, all the photographers that really we've had on um, is just, you know, would be how to interact with a, a client. Because you're saying all these things and I'm like, I, I was just talking to someone on Facebook, you know, really most of my consultations just end up being me talking to someone about their family, about their dogs, about like, it's not even like, so what are your packages? So what, you know, um, I, I wish there was a, a course that, you know, we could make without brides knowing that we're recording all of our conversations with them to just like show like, hey, we're just hanging out with people. We're just getting to know people. It's called um, be a human. I, I, yeah, just be a human. Like, and, and honestly, like ever since maybe when we first started, I was a little bit more like salesy. But nowadays yeah. it's just like doing sales calls all the time for me personally so boring like yeah. it's much more interesting for me and i'm able to get into it when i'm just like oh you're a nurse in boston oh my god like are you getting any sleep right now like how are mm -hmm. you home like you know tell me about oh yeah like this is really hard i just met you know somebody and their parents they're going through a hard time in boston and i'm just like then you can actually like relate to people in a real way and just like i don't know it's um i, I wish and maybe maybe we do that down the line jay is actually like create a course on how to interact with people like a human being as opposed to, um, you know, like a robot. There's a thing that we do for companies where, you know, I tell if I'm really consulting with someone on like a retainer relationship, I say like, it's really four gives for every one ask. 
And that's that is modern content marketing. You have to give value, give value, give value, give value, right? <clears throat> so you have to have already given someone value and continue to give value before you say, give me some money. Mm-hmm. And right. And a lot of people do this thing where they go, you have to convince them of your value. You have to sell them and you have to like, oh, they don't want to pay that for you. Like, this is just my opinion. I haven't done any analysis on this whatsoever. Jared always gets like, oh, no, what is he going to say? What I say? <laughs> but like, I tend to think if you get to the money part of a phone call and that person isn't already in like thinking like, yeah, whatever. You haven't done a good job representing your like, I don't think I can get on the phone. I don't think it makes any sense to get on the phone with someone and say, this is why videography should cost six grand. And then 100%. defend that the whole time. I don't right. get it. I'm like, you know, if you haven't got on the phone with me and I haven't said to you, like, we have a bunch of range of products that we sell, right? And the experience of communicating with the client indicates the price, mm-hmm. not the product they get delivered. Yeah. So I this don't goes, care if all yeah. the products look exactly the same. The, what you're paying for is that experience of getting, so like if I'm selling you a very high end product, it's gonna be all about like, tell me about what you're in, like, what can we do to make this custom product for you? And I'm trying to understand that and I'm giving and I'm giving and I'm at, and we're asking questions and we're learning. You know, if you call and you wanna buy a $1,900 wedding film from us, we're gonna be like, yeah, this is the product. And like, do you want it? Yeah, it's a little more straightforward. <laughs> Right, it doesn't need yeah, a lot of and explanation. It's like, yeah, 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 absolutely. You're, it's really about like, I'm trying to sell the more, and I think this gets more and more important. If you want to raise your prices, you need to raise that experience of you with that client. It's less about your work, even though the work matters. I think, especially if you want to be really innovative and wacky, you've got to be like really awesome. Right. But it's less about your work, and it's more about like, how do I interact with those people? And, and when I think about who I'm selling to, by the way, Jared and I always talk about this, like, and I'm not doing this because I want to sell to these people. I'm doing it because these people are my friends. The people I'm texting during COVID-19 are my planners. Right, right. How are you doing? I'm calling them up. This is hitting you hard. How are you doing? Hey, I made this package that you might want to sell to your clients if they get into a rut. I want to offer it to you. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to serve you in this way. I want to add value to you. I want to add value. I want to add value. I want to add value. Do you need anything? Do you need anything? Do you need anything? Right. That's sales. Is like yeah, whoever I, is the most valuable. Totally. I think this is exactly another reason why I, I have that mantra of uh, stop calling yourself an artist, stop calling yourself a creative, right? We're all artists. We're all creative, right? Like at a high level, lawyers are incredibly creative, right? Like everybody's creative. Everybody's an artist. Um, but in the, at the end of the day, you're, you're providing a service and you mm-hmm. are providing an experience, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, like you just said, so at the end of a sales call, a sales call, a phone consult, um, and like, like how you just said and how Jared said, um, oftentimes we don't even talk about money or anything. We just talk about life and get to know each other. Um, at the end of a wedding, every single client I have is like, we just cannot thank you enough. You were incredible. And they haven't even seen the pictures. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Like they, it's not even about the photos. I mean, of course they're going to get beautiful photos, but they are going to recommend me before having seen a single photo because they just had mm-hmm. the most incredible experience. So, so what you're offering in that higher level is a, a confidant, someone to advocate for you. That's what I always say is, um, you know, people say, what's your approach? And then before I even talk about, you know, again, photography style, I say, okay, we can talk about art all you want, but all you have to do is just look at my pictures, right? And 
look at them and then that's you your can approach. pray. That's that's my art. But my approach at a wedding is I'm going to be an advocate for you because um, when you're at a wedding, for some reason, all of your bridesmaids and your mom and your mother-in-law are all going to just yes you to death <laughs> because they think that's what they're supposed to do because it's your wedding day, so they don't want to upset you. So if you say, um, does my veil look weird or, or like ugly or do, do you think it looks wrong or it needs to move? Every girl is just like, no, 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 it's beautiful. You look so beautiful. You look so beautiful. And oh half God. the time in my head, I'm like, no, it's 100% too high. <laughs> and so what I tell them is um, I'm going to advocate for you. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to help you. I'm not going to let you move forward with a concern that should have been addressed and then later look at the pictures and say, why didn't anyone tell me, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to advocate for you. And if, and if your mom is, um, you know, absolutely hell-bent on you doing something that you don't want to do, I'm going to, in an incredibly nice, non-defensive uh, or aggressive way, uh, advocate for you on your behalf with your mom. I can say, hey mom, um, I know that, I know that like uh, you love this veil and you think she should wear it. And I think, I think it's beautiful too, but listen, the, um, the cement outside is gonna grab it and it's gonna pull her hair out when she's walking towards the aisle. It's gonna, it's gonna get ripped out of her hair. So I think we just need to ditch it for now. We'll put it back in for some photos or for some family photos with you. But for this, we need to, we need to take it out or she's gonna, she's gonna be in trouble. And they're going to remember that way more than the photo. A hundred percent. They're going to be like, yeah. oh, I love my photographer. I want to be friends with them. Um, you know, he was the, I, tr- I, I trust my photographer. You're just basically yeah, yeah, selling yeah. your trust. And, uh, yeah. and that's what anyone's doing. I mean, anyone, again, this is anyone at a high level. You know, you go in for major surgery. You want the doctor to uh, stand in front of you and advocate for you and be honest with you and tell you that they're going to do the best possible job they can do. Um, and then you also want to... Um, see a history of work and so um you know that's why have you seen the studies on doctors who get sued for malpractice no (laughs) what is it the studies are almost a hundred percent did people like them or not (laughs) the 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 numbers on mistakes are exactly the same really what they 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 they're correlated doctors who get sued versus doctors who get complaints about how they acted and if you want to get like good reviews, just be nice to people right. and make people feel awesome. And yeah. then they'll suddenly think you did a good job with your work. Yeah. I forget who it is. And like, you can't yeah. do bad. Right. You can't do bad. Like, right. Doing an incredible like, job is par for the course. That's what I always say. Like yes. in photography. Duh. Yeah. You have to be incredible. We're like, there's 10, there's 20, there's 30 other photographers within a two hour radius of me who are probably better than me. Right. Like it, that's a, that's, that's just a given. You all, we all have to be good. And then once you're good, then we can stop worrying about whether or not we're artists. And uh, your bedside matter. Unless you're uh, Joel and Justina, and then you can just do whatever you want because you're <laughs> amazing and incredible. But uh, but yeah, well, I Austin, agree. I, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, dude. This is uh, this has been super awesome, man. This whole conversation. I feel like I, I'm gonna go back and listen to it uh, to just <laughs> get a ton of insight from you, man. This has been fantastic. Um, yeah, we, um, we, we do this part on the podcast every week called what's your favorite thing. So, uh, what is your favorite thing that you're experiencing nowadays, uh, through the COVID-19 crisis staying at home? Oh man. Um, in all honesty, it's, um, it's noticing like day by day and even like hour by hour, my daughter growing up, it's just crazy. It's just so crazy to see every day uh, her conversations change. 
um, she's learning to ride a scooter. And, um, you know, when we first got her the scooter, she wouldn't even touch it. And then she wouldn't put the helmet on and, and she wouldn't uh, ride it unless we pushed it. And then every day it's just like this little um, uh, small increments of improvement. And till today we went from our house halfway around the block. And then she said, can I get off and take the helmet off? No problem. Um, How old? She's two. Yeah, I, got a, I have a two-year-old as really? well. Really? Two-year-olds yeah, are wild, it's, man. <laughs> it's a wacky age. Like every, every day. Every single. Every day they're new. Every, it's, like, it's a new person mm-hmm. every day. And, uh, yeah, she, she started doing this thing. She goes to the door if you're in the bathroom. She goes, Mommy, I need to talk to you. Come out. I need to, t- I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you. Oh, man. Yeah. So, it's just, yeah, yeah. Our, our daughter does that too. Um, so they, they, they're basically just like emulating you. And so mm-hmm. right now, whenever we're doing something, she likes to come up and say, uh, Daddy, hold on, 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 hold on. <laughs> because we'll see that she's about to like break a vase or like tear something off a table, and we're like, hold on, hold on, hold on. So she's doing that. To us. She's going, hold on, hold on, hold on. And we're like, okay, Hannah, what do you want us to hold on to? Um, but yeah, that's that's honestly. Oh, we got a plane. Um, so that's honestly what I'm enjoying right now the most is is just being. I I feel incredibly lucky all year round because you know during the week I'm home and I get to have a lot of time with my family and my kids more so than like anybody else I know in any other industry but especially right now because it's just breakfast lunch dinner 24 hours a day together and so I really feel like I'm I'm witnessing every change in her and so that's my favorite thing and and then also just um I like being well, I like I like because I have no other choice. I like being forced to um, be resourceful. So like right now, I'm about to finish the last wedding I had before the quarantine hit, and uh, and then I'm just gonna go hard on trying to figure out how to market for Good Light and do live edits and um, sort of uh, do something out of my comfort zone. Market to video professionals. I know. Yeah, that's a whole other. So, Start putting those luts together, man. Yeah, honestly, dude, so, you gotta you gotta do some kind of good light presets for the the wedding film community, man. We have we a guy who who extracted uh, who we did we made it work for him and his editing flow. He showed us is like super easy now, and it's it works just like our presets. Um, we just have um, it's funny because you'd think we'd have all this time to get stuff done, but because we're you know <laughs> we can't even go to the bathroom without our daughters knocking on the door. Um, it's really hard to get actually anything done. So it's, it's a, it's a struggle, but it is what it is. But I'm, I'm, um, I'm generally a very optimistic, very happy, very, if you can't control it, don't worry about it person. Um, so none of this is really bothering me that much. Um, I also just have this, uh, idea about money that it's just like, none of this is real. Like money is just a thing that we all agree is valuable. Um, because it's only valuable because we all agree it's valuable. It's just it's just money. You can always make more. Um, a a terrible social contract. Uh, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I just, I just feel, yeah. Like I just, it's so funny. People were like, all we we're like, oh, Bitcoin. I don't trust Bitcoin. It's not even real. And I just want to be like, you think the pieces of paper in your wallet, like, are like any? They're just paper. <laughs> like it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't mean anything. Um, and so I just not like the whole thing about finances. Like obviously we want to pay our bills and do all that stuff. Luckily we. We have money saved up, and we've sort of prepared for the unknowns. Um, but uh, but at the same time, like I've, I've told my wife um, that this could all go away tomorrow. We could lose everything, and as long as we have our family, and I can um, you know get hired at um, any job, um, 
we'll be fine. I'll be happy. I'm kind of a very stoic person, so. Totally. You know what? I, I got a favorite thing, Jared. <laughs> the yep. Eliza Schlesinger sketch show. She's a Is comedian. That a kid show? She just had a. Oh. No, no. <laughs> it's on Netflix. And I walked downstairs and I heard her. It was like this silly, silly song. And it was about like, it was a riff on um, A Star is Born, but except she sings, she writes silly songs about pets. About. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's on so, Netflix? And I, that was the sketch. And I was like, okay. oh, this is funny. So then I just watched like eight episodes in a row. And I was like, it was so silly. One of them was just like them sitting around a boardroom table and everyone just keeps eating more and more nectarines. Okay. You know what? <laughs> I think you had to be there. <laughs> you have to watch it, I no, guess. <laughs> you have to watch it because the absurdity of someone, everyone at a boardroom table doing a meeting and keep eating fruit and keep eating more and more fruit until they're all just slabbering nectarine all over the place. It was exactly what I needed in the middle of all this craziness. It's not social commentary. It's not teaching me anything. Uh, it's not politicized. It's just it, stupid. And it, it was sounds funny. like trying to explain the Tim and Eric show. You, you no, can't it's explain not quite that and have it actually be funny. Yeah. See, Tim and Eric is anti-comedy, so they're intentionally like unfunny. Yeah. This is, this is funny. And and you okay. would, I, I would just encourage you if you want to watch something silly, that will make you laugh, and you won't have to think about all these problems in the world. It was a good thing. The yeah. Liza Schlesinger sketch show. My favorite thing is the XT4 by Fuji. Are you um, loving it? Be, I, yeah, man. So, so they sent one our way, and we've been playing around with it a little bit. And especially for us video guys, I mean, for photography, I think it's it brings you know certain things to the table. But definitely on the video side, um, you know, I've um, been pretty impressed. So we're gonna be coming out with a couple new videos um, about the image stabilization, and then also about the autofocus and just overall impressions. So I will say, um, it's yeah. a great time for cameras. Yeah, man. Anybody, yeah, it's fun. anybody who complains about their gear holding them back, I just want to be like, dude, I started with a D750. I couldn't shoot above ISO 400, or not, not a D750, yeah. a D70. I'm sorry. Um, I started with a D70. You could, you couldn't even. The LCD screen was barely visible. Like, just everything now is just so good. I was telling somebody the other day, <laughs> this is for filmmakers. This is gonna be when the Mark II came out, right? Pretty much things have slightly changed, but pretty much it's basically the same. Yeah. For the last, this is going to be the the next wave of cameras, is going to be where a bunch of new people are going to come in and take a bunch of other people's jobs, because their price is going to be way. This is what Jared and I did. We got in and we were cheaper than everyone and we were better. Yeah. Because we got in with all the new cameras. That's the old saying. There like, there are always people who are cheaper and there's always people who are better. Just don't let them be the same people. Yes, yeah. and it's about yeah. to happen. <laughs> because yep. if you're new and you just bought your first camera and it's an R5. And it and has can you imagine 4K. your first your first camera being like a Sony A7 III, even oh. yeah, like a Sony A7 III. Like if I had the Sony yeah. A7 III when I first started, oh my gosh, like just ridiculous, like insanity. Yeah, yeah. you're right. It's a, it's a, I think it's the next like little. I think we had that like ten years ago, Renaissance in DSLRs. Yeah, and I think we're about to hit it now. Where. Yeah the mirrorless thing is going to really, 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 we're going to start to see all the benefits finally come into one 
package where it's I, gonna I was that guy who was skeptical work. i was like oh mirrorless evfs it's terrible it's like it's not really letting you, yep. you know, do whatever and now i'm like oh my gosh i never want to look through an optical viewfinder ever again <laughs> i gotta but, admit yeah, it's Austin, gonna be amazing I, I i was so i was so sad to see you posted your gfx for, for sale oh, the other day you know what i'll probably what? buy another one <laughs> yeah I know. well that's what you did before right you you had the s and then you the moved s, to the r and yeah got the r yeah you know what it so is what you, the gfx what is, yeah. is a love hate thing for me um, it's tough yeah do you feel that way i feel that way i do uh, you know i've just kind of i just always 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 shoot with it so it's like it's gotten a lot easier um you know i i don't think i've played around i've i've made a certain lens and camera body work for me almost at all times and then I, you know I'll, I'll bring my xt3 out and i'll switch lenses off of that but i have one specific kind of shot that i try to get with the gfx almost every single time but it's like you know if you're spending that much money on a single camera body, I'm like, for yeah, one, it was a body that you know, I would use at every wedding. Pony. Yeah, ex yeah, exactly. Like I would use yeah. it at every wedding, but I would only use it for portraits and for details, yep. and that's it. And that's an expensive yep. hobby. And then not only that, I mean, if I added up all the money I spent on like lenses I adapted and bought used and tracked down, I yep. still have a Leica 80 that I'm using, and like that thing used was $2,500, and like it's just it was one of those things where I loved it because it allowed me to be creative and it allowed me to sort of. Um, get outside the box distinguish and, yourself too yeah and also just have fun like even if i was just yeah. shooting yeah. it for me like it was fun for me to not um, pick up the same camera every time but the mental energy it took me to manual focus all the time the yeah um sometimes i felt like i was doing my clients a disservice by using it because i had to move so much slower um yep. versus like a you know modern nikon you just point it at something and click and everything's going to be perfect Go. Um, yeah. And so it's one of those things where I'm in the downswing. I mean, right now, um, luckily, I've kept most of my clients, and they're all just postponing but still paying balances. But I did lose a couple of weddings, and so selling the GFX was like sort of a no-brainer for me. Um, but and people all the time were like, "Oh my god, I was so sad. I shed a tear." And to me, I'm like, <laughs> "Dude, it's just a box that gathers late, and there's yeah. more. I can just buy it again another time." Like, and this is this goes back to the whole for me, like money isn't real. It's just. Yep. It's all just uh, like no big deal. I just sold it because right now I'd, I'd rather have the cash on hand. And then uh, in six months, I might buy another one. And people are like, yeah, but yep. then you're out this much more money. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. Who cares? Well, like, they'll probably be way cheaper at that point, to be honest. Well, and they might have a new one that's doing. better. <laughs> might yeah, have a new one. Exactly. There might be different lenses. Yeah. I mean, um, in all honesty, I think that my tastes change all the time. People are like, oh, so are you a Nikon guy or a Canon guy? And I'm like, well, I have yeah. Nikons. I have Fujis. Like, I think the new Canon looks incredible. Yeah. Um, you know, my we don't care at all no, about that crap. I'm just like I'm always like cool. we we have one thing where we're doing all Fuji, we have one thing we're doing all Canon and we have one that we're doing all Black Magic. Just because we want to be able to mess around yeah. and have fun and like yeah. that's it. And like there's some, if you're a real DP, you're going like, "Oh, this is a job where I have to shoot on red because the client wants to look like this. Oh, this is a job I have to use on Ari." No DP is going to be like, "Why well, only do Ari?" Right. Right. Yeah, people, like, the people who care about a, that are the colorists. They're the ones who are like, yeah, oh, I, I hate this. <laughs> oh, I hate these these cameras. Or like, oh, I love this camera. Like, they're the ones. But people shooting, yeah, they don't. Like, people working in the actual film industry or commercial photography or videography industry, I mean, it's just I like, don't use hammers. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, it's like... <laughs> it's, it's, like <laughs> it's exactly, it's just a tool. I mean, it's just a tool. And, and you'll find that most of them care much more about other things. Right. Totally. Um, oh, this focus pull system is so much better than this focus pull system. Or I hate that monitor. I love this monitor. Um, you know, that's yeah. more important nowadays. Cameras. I mean, my goodness, you can buy a Panasonic. It's the least S1. important part. Yeah. 
It's like, it's crazy. And, if, and, and knowing all your tools is really what it is. So, hey, Austin, why don't you tell everybody where to find you? Hell yeah. And also where to find of good lights. Sure. So uh, my business is called Trend Home Photo. So I have a website called trendhomephoto.com. And then my Instagram is at trendhomephoto. That's T-R-E-N as in Nancy, H-O-L-M as in Mary. Um, and then our secondary company selling uh, presets is Good Light Presets. Uh, always looking for that good light um, and you can just find us at goodlightpresets.com and on instagram at goodlightpresets i'm sure y'all can uh post links and we'll, fancy we'll put all kinds of we'll words on the screen yeah, yeah, yeah exactly that. <laughs> but uh yeah that's where we're at awesome this has been cool. great man thank you so much for for taking the time and joining us and uh yeah, yeah. hopefully we'll see you up in new england this summer maybe i'm so glad that we finally got to do this and uh yeah. and yeah the plan is to be in boston during the summer and uh if i'm not it's because uh the world has become mad max so yeah <laughs> we'll come down to you and we'll swim in your pool come on down anytime <laughs> yeah <laughs> Cool, hey guys, Thank thanks you. for joining the Wedding Pros podcast. Um, make sure you subscribe. Um, it really helps us if you give us five stars or whatever the star rating system is on the per particular platform you're listening on. Um, and hit that alert bell if you're watching on YouTube. It helps us a lot. And, of course, comment. Let us know what you want to hear more of, if there's somebody you want on the podcast or anything like that. Really appreciate Joel it. Joel and Justina. Have a great That's day, guys. That's my comment. Have them yes, on the Joel and Justina. <laughs> Honestly, I've already, I've already started talking to them. So I'll, I'll be the first listener. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're awesome. All right, man. Cool, man. Okay, so that was just an incredible podcast. Austin is just an incredible human being and um, just one of my favorite dudes in the industry. So thank you for watching. Hopefully that was helpful for you. Wanted to remind you guys, give us a subscribe on YouTube. Make sure you're checking out our Facebook group as well. Um, tons of information going on uh, right now about COVID-19 and the current situation that we find ourselves in. So if that's something that you're interested in and you, know, you don't have a good group to bounce ideas off, make sure you're checking out that Facebook group. I think it's been helpful for myself, definitely, but then also for other wedding pros in our community. So make sure you're checking that out. Stay safe, guys, and hopefully we'll see you next time on the Wedding Pros Podcast. Thank you.